Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show me that if I share the right content in front of the right people, like it's just a mathematical equation that people buy. And yeah, if you, if you don't make money, then you shouldn't try to be the attractive character that's getting people from A to B. Like you just shouldn't do it. Like a lot of people get caught up. Like what if I... Sh- Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now. If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson, and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. Hey guys, I have a rare treat for you today. Our guest today is an international speaker. He's the host of a top-rated podcast. He's been featured in Forbes, and he was rated top 30 under 30 influencers. He's a ClickFunnels 2 Comma Club winner, and he's the CEO behind the Billion Dollar Body Movement. Welcome to the show, Nicholas Biley. What's going on, man? Hey, Jamie, I appreciate you having me on here, man. I, my life was transformed in moments just like this. So for everyone that's listening, just go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back because it's not normal people that listen to podcasts. It's people that are action takers, people that want to grow, people that want to learn, and people that want more out of life. And the toughest thing is to reach the people that don't download shows, but you have. So let's have a massive transformation together on this show. Dude, I'm so excited and more excited than most people would be about interviewing somebody like yourself. And and people are pretty pumped already, but you are pretty much the sole reason as to why this podcast even exists in the first place. And for those who don't know, I listened to and first came across Nicholas at Funnel Hacking Live this year and his talk about your mess becoming your message completely changed my perspective on everything for the show. Now, obviously, Nicholas, I've been transformed by what you said on stage, but my audience hasn't yet had the benefit of knowing kind of where you came from. So can you tell us a little bit about where Billion Dollar Body came from and got started? Absolutely, man. Well, first off, it's awesome that you, for for us to even meet, you had to invest in yourself to go to an event, which is also a type of person that I like to talk to. And that's how we ended up on a podcast here today. So many people overlook those tiny little steps that seem insignificant or would a lot of times rule people out. A lot of people look at an event and say, well, I don't know if it'll be worth the investment. And I did the same thing. I was an attendee at that event. And then Russell personally messaged me and asked if I could speak. And he specifically asked if I could speak on the topics we talked about, which is mess into your message. And just as you said, my life wasn't always what it is now. Not that it's perfect. There, no matter what you do, you just got to choose your problems in life. If you want the problems of being broke and unhappy and overweight and single, well, then you can choose those problems. But being married and fit and having a business don't solve all your problems. You just create new problems that you have. Now you got to figure out what am I going to do with all this money, right? That's a new problem. It's just a better problem than not having money. 
and I've had both types of problems. So I want people to know that you're going to have problems no matter what. You just choose what type of problems you want to have. So growing up, I didn't really get to choose. We don't get to choose where we grow up. We don't get to choose who our parents are. Those are some core things that we can't change. And so I grew up in a family that my parents were dating. They weren't married. I was planned though, which is something that I didn't know about. Apparently they planned to have me, which was a big benefit. I was happy that I wasn't an accident. But at four years old, my parents split up. And when my parents split up, that's when I really started experiencing mass forms of anxiety, feeling like there was something wrong. Like I didn't, I had no clue what a real family actually looked like, but my stepmom moved in right away and my mom was dating other guys. And my mom and my dad didn't get along at all. They had this patent together that like, at 18 years old, when I don't need to collect your child support anymore, we'll never talk again. That's how their like, relationship was. So if I was with my dad, then I had to act like I didn't like my mom. And if I was with my mom, I had to hear how she hated my dad and I had to act like I didn't like my dad. And so it felt like I had to like, be two different types of people in both households, which is a massive amount of pressure and anxiety on a child to the point where I was so frustrated at myself at seven years old, man, that I actually wrote my first suicide letter, not because of any other reason besides like screaming out for attention. And the fact that I just didn't understand why I was even in this world about such a damn burden on everyone. And that eventually wrote into me being 13 years old and my dad and I having a big falling out that we talked about a little bit from stage at Funnel Hacking Live. And I remember having that falling out with him, not talking to him for three years, living with my mom instead. And in that process, I had no disciplinary. I had no one that was pushing me. My mom was working all the time. I didn't see her that often. And I gained 60 pounds. I graduated the 1.8 GPA and I was failing in the three areas that we help businessmen prosper in today, which is health, wealth, and relationships. These are the three core areas of life that every man and every woman cannot outsource. And if we cannot outsource it, we should probably get pretty good at it. Like no one's going to have sex with your wife for you. You got to do that. You should probably get pretty good at it. No one's going to be able to eat for you. So you should probably learn how to eat. Like you, people can give you what the food is, but no one's going to fork it in your mouth for you and no one's going to move for you and no one's going to set the vision of your business for you. So if, you, if no one's going to do that, we should probably have a, an, an obligation, a moral obligation to get pretty good at these things. And that's what I help people do today. But it was because again, I failed at all these areas, being 60 pounds overweight, being unhealthy, not having a relationship for seven years and being three years in business, man, and just never making more than $3,000 in a month. I know there's lots of people out there that have tried in businesses before. They're not making the money that they want. No entrepreneur is making the money that they want, right? Or else we would just like stop listening to podcasts. Like we're all looking for more and to grow because we're using this as a barometer to get to where we want to be like tracking our progress. So every person out there I know is like me wants to grow at a rapid rate. Imagine three, four years in trying your hardest and never making more than $20,000 in a year. Like that's pretty freaking bad. And over the years, I found a couple of things that helped us, like you said, do over a million dollars in a year. That's crazy, Nicholas. And, and I'm a huge lover of the whole story. And I really like how uh, kind of authentic and, and honest you are about the journey that you've been on. And so the one kind of question that, that is really interesting to me is when did you really start living this idea of your mess becoming your message? Yeah, it was not easy. I feel that every single day I have to take a further leap into it because there's new things that happen in life every single day. And it's a constant choice to not allow your mess to unravel you and derail you, but allow it to become a message that you can share with the world. And I want people to think about this. The stories that you have on the inside of you of what you've done, what you've gone through, the things that you're afraid to share with people actually have power over you. 
because your fear is what other people think or what's going to happen if people knew. And that fear in itself already means that that thing is affecting you. And what I saw was that at the very end of my talk at Funnel Hacking Live, I talked about Eminem when I was a kid growing up, like the rapper Eminem was someone I looked up to. One, because like my brother liked him and I don't, I don't know, it was like the one guy that I could identify with. I still remember a song that was like, you know, his stepfather hit him so he punched him back and broke his nose. His house is a broken home. He has no control. He just lets his emotions go. Like that song I listened to, I literally don't listen to it anymore. But at 12 years old, I listened to it on repeat over and over again. Why? Because I identified with what he was talking about. And I realized that at studying him as, as a person, just as many other people study people like Tony Robbins or something, I studied him. And I realized that he had his break. He was afraid. He had stomach issues just like I did. Before shows, he would throw up. And I realized that the time that he got immense freedom and breakthrough was when he finally just said, forget it. Like, I don't care what people think about me anymore. I'm done. And he just said, listen, like, I am white. I am a bum. I live in a trailer with my mom. Like, he just told everyone everything that they could use against him, everything that he thought people would make fun of him for, every single thing that people could, like, throw his way that would somehow stop him. And when he shared it, it not only connected and landed with the people, but it gave him personal freedom. So knowing that first off, your mess becoming your message or your past becoming your greatest platform, at the beginning, sharing your mess with people that are close to you, maybe a counselor, maybe someone that you don't even know, is actually going to give you freedom first, which in itself is the most powerful thing. The second thing from there is being able to share that story will help inspire other people to overcome it and will also release everyone's ammunition that they have against you to be able to operate in complete freedom. And on top of that, you have tools that you've picked up along the way that can teach other people how to have that same breakthrough. And so I had to overcome a lot in my journey because I felt that in business and in life, people would only learn from perfect people. So in the personal training world, they said, your body is your billboard. I thought that people would only buy from me if I was perfect and never had a problem. Like the person that never had an issue and was always on top of it was the person that people would want to buy from because who would want to buy from someone who had issues? So for years, I never shared my transformation story of losing 60 pounds. Why? I was like, man, why does it matter? Like, these are the core things that I was believing. So the three things that everyone's believing right now that's keeping them from sharing stories in business, and th these could be other things a little bit more in depth personally, but really it comes down to the fear of rejection in many ways. But the three things that I found were, why is this relevant? If I share my story of being overweight, why does that matter to them? Like I first had to see why was this going to help them or how is this going to be beneficial? So not knowing that, I hid every single picture because I just thought it wasn't relevant and it didn't matter. The second core belief that I really had, man, was like, I really thought that if people knew who I truly was, they would reject me. Like they would look at me through that different lens. Like I didn't know how it was going to really help them. And so all these different things held me back from sharing my story. And consistently I see, hold ever, see everyone else hold them back from sharing their story. When at the end of the day, this is what usually happens. The very thing that's holding you back and the fear that you have the opposite is going to happen and that you're actually creating the very result that you're trying to keep yourself from by not sharing your story. So if you're afraid to get rejected, you're afraid people aren't going to buy from you and not really like you and not think that you're authentic or whatever it is, I guarantee you, if that's your fear that you're having from sharing your stories, you're actually creating that reality now by not sharing them. And the opposite of that reality is going to happen when you actually share the overcoming stories that you've had and get freedom for yourself and others.
That's crazy, man. And I think there's probably going to be a lot of people in this audience who are listening who that is a very real fear because a lot of people, and I certainly know because some of my audience have reached out to me and talked to me, they, they say, Jamie, you know, I love how you get in front of the mic and, and I, I just couldn't do that. And a lot of people are really scared to put themselves in front of their audience. So just to talk about some of the positive things that started to happen when, when you started to talk about this, Nicholas, like what changes started to happen when you did start to talk about your past and all of the stories that you had previously hidden? Yeah, so I want people to know as well that the first stories that I shared were from myself. So the first story I shared personally, and I'll be vulnerable with you guys because that's how it starts. You're a leader. So if you want other people to be vulnerable, you do it yourself. I remember growing up, I was supposed to have sex with girls. Like that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know if my dad was like just making sure that I knew what I was doing or whatever, but he's just like, he wanted me to like, like girls. And I don't know what it was. So I remember like being in high school and everyone's like, oh, like you having sex with this person. You're like, yeah, 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 of course. It's like, yeah, we're doing it. Like that's just what you said. And so going through high school, like I gained weight, like I wasn't talking to girls, like I was too scared to even take my shirt off in front of people, like let alone anything else. So I remember 18 years old, my life was transformed and my friend came up to me and goes, Nick, are you, are you a virgin? And I was like, oh no, dude, of course not. Like, uh, you know, like, nah, no way. And like, right when I said that, my stomach dropped and I was like, damn it. Like I just lied again. Like this sucks. I didn't want to do that. This, this is not good. So a couple of weeks later, I went to my friend and I was like, it was still, I was still thinking about it. I went to my friend and I was like, hey man, like I got something to tell you. I sat down and like an identity that I had had to become because I had to please my dad and like I had a fear of what he thought. Like I probably wouldn't have even cared. But I just thought like that's what you're supposed to do and there was something wrong with me that I didn't. And so I went to my friend and I was like, listen man, like I lied to you. Like, I'm a virgin. Like I didn't tell you. And it's even a good thing. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't end up having STDs. Like, like what the heck? Like I should be <laughs> pumped about that. I was afraid to tell it, but when, when I told that story, dude, it felt like something leaped off of me and I almost passed out. Like that's how big of a deal it was. When I told, uh, whenever you tell a little white lie and you hold on to it for a long time, it actually becomes like a prison that you live in. That like it's, it becomes so tough to break out of. At first it's like straw and then it turns into wood and then it turns into metal bars that like you feel like is impossible to keep, to break out of. Super simple though, just tell the truth. And so that's how it started out. Now, it was, what was tough was I wasn't necessarily afraid of saying that I was overweight. I just truly didn't understand like the logic why anyone would ever care and why anyone would trust and buy from me at that point. So the first time that I experienced this, I had never made more than $3,000 in a month. At the time, I was helping people lose weight because that's what I had done. And I had never shown, told my story in front of people. Well, I got invited to speak in front of 40 people at a mastermind, my very first one I invested in. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help them goal set for their health, give them content, give them value, give them tactics. But before I do that, I'm going to share my story. I'm just going to share like, why did I gain weight? And why did I start goal setting? And like, why am I qualified to talk about this? And so I started talking about how the initial reason was because my dad and I having a conversation, having a falling out story that put me in depression. And then I gained 60 pounds. And when I told that story, dude, I started crying like crazy in front of all these people. I felt like such an idiot. I felt like I had failed them, that I didn't give them the content they wanted. I'd have Amanda actually help me fill in the blanks because I couldn't talk. I just couldn't do it. And what was so crazy is that at that event, that mastermind still goes on four years later, five years later. And that mastermind still talks about that one moment. When anyone cries, they talk about the spot that I stood in when I cried the very first talk of the very first mastermind. And Still to this day, 
they talk about that moment being the moment that shifted the energy and atmosphere for that mastermind forever. It wasn't until that happened that everything unlocked. So that was the power in the group. What was the power for me? Well, I left there and I thought, man, like I should go ask people what their goals are. Like I didn't even serve them. And nine out of 10 people that I talked to actually paid us $3,600. And I just remember, and a lot of those people are still clients of mine today, even in brotherhood. I remember leaving there just being like, what happened? Like, why did these people buy from me? Well, one, like they knew, like, and trusted me. But two, they also identified and saw themselves in my story and saw that I was someone that was qualified that they trusted to bring them from A to B. And they didn't want to work with anyone else anymore. They wanted to work with me. Why? Because they felt connected. They felt like they trusted. They felt understood. If they needed to lose those, the extra weight, they knew I had been through it. They didn't want to learn from the guy that had a perfect six pack his entire life. And that was just dumbfounding to me. I really didn't even realize that that was the reason why they bought until a few months later. And it just felt like more and more comfortable sharing my story, not being afraid of putting it out there. Why? Not just for you guys. Like, I don't want things to hold me back. Like the reason why I tell people that I crap my pants in third grade and at school almost every single day. Why? Because that is something that I, I want to put out into the world so that I'm like, dude, this has no power over me. And then it also just has the reverse effect of allowing everyone else to actually tell the truth, be vulnerable. Like the only way you're going to cause transformation, your clients and customers is if you actually can get them to tell you the truth, how can you expect them to tell you the pain that they've gone through and the goals that they have in life? If you can't first do it yourself. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's kind of a scary point for a lot of people because not for, for everybody, it's not always about health and the journey they've been on in that regard. For some people it's business. And I know I've certainly spoken to a lot of people who said, Jamie, I don't feel like I can tell people that I'm broke if I'm trying to sell them, you know, a business solution because it makes me look like I'm coming from, you know, this terrible place. So obviously with, with your business, Nicholas, was it after this point that you started to get a lot of traction in your business after that mastermind moment? I've never had a not profitable month since then. That's crazy. And that just kind of blew up from there. Did you think a lot of that came from it giving you that kind of understanding of how you could help people on a deeper level? Yeah. And it also showed me like that getting in front of the right people matters. I just wasn't getting in front of the right people often enough. And it showed me that if I share the right content in front of the right people, like it's just a mathematical equation that people buy. And yeah, if you, if you don't make money, then you shouldn't try to be the attractive character that's getting people from A to B. Like you just shouldn't do it. Like a lot of people get caught up. Like, what if I share that I'm not that good? Well, what if you don't? Like, why don't you just bring in people that are experts that are really good? I'm just really confused why people... Don't just do that. Like you don't need to be the attractive character that goes, you're, you know, you're, you're really fat, but you're going to put fake photos up that you're have a six pack and then tell people that you're the guru that wants to take them on a journey from where you used to be to where you're at now. Like if you've done it, then do it. But if not, why are you doing that? That's way too much pressure on yourself. Napoleon Hill didn't act like he was the richest dude in the world. Napoleon Hill interviewed and studied the best and brought them in and it elevated his status until that became true. And still to this day, I hardly am the person 
unless it's maybe in relationships like mine or in health, my journey, or in wealth, maybe making a million dollars. But making a million dollars only makes me like the 150 millionth biggest business owner, or, you know, 1.5. I don't even know. Like I'm not special is what I'm saying. I can't walk around and be like, you should buy from me because look at what I've done. No, like you should buy from me because I have access to the best people and the best information and I don't act like I'm the best. Yeah, because I don't I want that pressure. I think what's really amazing to see as well, Nicholas, is how much that you clearly love the movement and everything that you're doing because you have this kind of core mission that you've really kind of stuck to and you're helping people. When did yeah, you because, kind of define- Real quick, dude, the reason why is because of what we just talked about. I know that we are the best at what we do. And I also know that we do it for a different type of person than anyone else out there. So people ask yourself right now, if you're not confident or building a mass movement, ask yourself, do you serve? It's one of the two things. Are you the best? Are you better than your competition and who they're serving? Or are you serving them a different type of person they can't reach? right? Like I reach a certain type of person that's a little bit different that wouldn't buy from other people in my industry. So like, I know I have a space. I know there's a reason why I'm here. But on top of that, I know that we do things for those people in a better way than the other people could. And so because of that, it gives me mass confidence because I don't go to bed at night thinking, man, I hope I can sell this guy, even though everyone else is better than me. Like, no, I would send them to the other people if that was the case. Like I truly believe that you have to believe that or else you're going to actually stunt your growth and you're going to create self-sabotaging behaviors. And a lot of times all that takes is writing it out. Like right now, the people that you're attracting, what is their core problem? That's number one. Number two is if they keep living this way for a year and five years down the road, what problems will they have then? Number three, if they buy from other people, what problems will they experience? Number four, what is your solution to all of their problems? Number five, if they invest with you, what will their life be like in one to five years? And you can build confidence seeing the difference. Is the transformation that they're going to have in one to five years worth the dollar investment that you put together? And are you solving a problem that your current competitors are just not solving? And I know that if people work with other people, go to other events, work with other men's coaches, work with other business leaders, and they don't empower themselves as a businessman, I know deep down inside, they're going to pay more money, get less value, and their life's not going to be anywhere near as good as if they invest with me. And if they invest with me, it'll be totally worth it. Not because I believed it at the beginning, because I wrote that out every day and looked at it before I would talk to anyone and realize that I had value to give to the world. And if I don't get that message out there, it's just my fault. Like, People are looking for me. And if I don't stand in front of them and go, hey, here I am, it's my fault. They already want to buy. Like they're just giving the money to someone else rather than someone who sucks. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And it's funny because I've just been getting a similar clarity in my business and it is literally changing the game with how I think. So one of the things that I wanted to ask as well is on this journey, obviously you, you've had a lot of success and you've created this amazing movement. But just when you were getting started creating the billion dollar body movement, what was one of the big struggles that you started off with? And how did you kind of get through and overcome that struggle? Yeah, man, I didn't believe in my own product. That was number one. I had a hard time thinking that everyone else's product was perfect. And it wasn't until I started buying other people's products going through them that I saw the flaws. And I was like, man, like I'm not that different. This isn't that bad. 
I put more value on my external look of our website and our brand and like all this stuff, not, well, not with BDB necessarily, but I felt that it was more important than it actually was. Now that I have the knowledge and I know exactly what to do, like I just talked to my dad and we ended, added $10,000 to his business from one little idea. Like now that I have the ideas and I know how to do things, the skill sets, I put less value in the things that butter it up, the boxing and the packaging, because I know my value. Now there's value in those things. But at first I thought that if I didn't have great packaging, if I didn't have a good website, if I didn't have all these things, then people would like poke holes in what I did as if the value was in that. No, those things should just represent the value that you bring. They should be in, aligned with what you do. And then from there, man, I really struggled with getting leads. I felt, I feel that most people out there, and this was me included, feel that if they just cast a wider net, they'll have a better chance of getting a client. So instead of targeting men, men instead of women or women instead of men, they'll go, well, well, what if a man does want to buy from me? Like, ah, I'll just leave the options open just in case. And they're like, oh, like this is for people that want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Like, but what if someone already makes a hundred thousand dollars? Like, what if they want to buy from me? I'll just leave it open a little bit more and be a little bit more generalized. And then they cast this wide net but the problem is, is that the bait isn't working for anyone. And one of my good friends, her name's Kaylin Poole, and she owns a company called Lady Boss Weight Loss. I actually just sent them money for a trip that we're going on right now. Uh, she once told me, she goes, Nicholas, like, you got to stop trying to serve everyone and you got to stop trying to make everyone like you. She said, the only way you're going to get forward with your business is if you become polarizing and you have some people hate you and some people love you. But if you want to be liked by everyone, you're going to be loved by no one. I really had to make a decision. Was I okay with that? Was I okay actually speaking to one type of person? Was I okay having a smaller net but using the correct type of bait? And so a lot of people, like what I did was I thought, man, if I just like widen my net, there'll be more chance of people wanting to see my stuff. The equivalent would be like, man, you know what? Instead of retargeting people on Facebook that actually went to go buy my stuff, I'm just gonna leave it wide open, 18 to 65 plus, everyone in the world and just run the ad that way because there has to be a better chance of people buying from me if everyone sees it. But like when I put it that way, it sounds stupid, but people do that in their business all the time. Yeah. It's, it's funny, right? I think it's a, a lot of that fear about, Oh, I just need to try and find somebody and then I'll figure it out after that. And it's funny that you talked about now you can look at say your dad's business and understand exactly what he needs. So do you think before you kind of run headfirst into creating a movement, you need to really understand these frameworks and these systems that really work? Or do you think you can kind of figure it out along the way? Absolutely. You just need to figure out what you want to do. There's many different attractive characters. You go to Dotcom Secrets, which Russell Brunson's book, and use uh, Jamie's affiliate link to get it so he can get some commission. Uh, what I would recommend is that if you go through that, you could see the four different types of attractive characters. There's the shameful leader or whatever it's called, which is like Russell. He knows so much. He's done so much that he has to bring this message to the world, but he doesn't want the spotlight. There's the explorer that's like a Tim Ferriss who goes out there and tries all these new things and doesn't perfect them. He just goes and tries all this stuff and brings it back to his audience's value. And people love it. There's someone like Alex Ramosi who built six gyms that were profitable and now he t teaches other gyms, 1,500 of them now, how they can implement his system and get a specific result, which is like microwaving food, like boom, it's done. And then there's the other side, which is like a Napoleon Hill, which is I haven't done it, 
So I'm going to bring you guys the best people. And when I bring the best people, it's going to elevate my status and make me a leader, which is actually how Russell Brunson started out. He didn't know that much about marketing. And so what did he do? He'd interview and bring in the best marketers. So I have an Instagram company that I'm a part of. And in this Instagram company, I don't know how to broker shout outs with all these different pages. So rather than me trying to learn all about all this stuff, I know that I know how to get people that are interested and that want to buy. And I know my friend is really, really good at doing the actual work. He's the best. So I partnered up with him. And maybe in the future, if I wanted to be that person, I could. But rather, I partnered up with someone who did know. I figured out what type of attractive character we want to be like. Pick your attractive character. Pick who you want to be to your audience. And the biggest thing is like when you can align with an, a, an, a, the right attractive character, you can actually serve at the highest level. And I truly believe that you can figure it out. One of my good friends, he became, I think it was the third largest it, uh, it, in the industry. is like the third largest in Southern California. The first, it was security. The first contract he got in securities was a company that came to him and said, hey, do you do this type of security? And he was like, oh, absolutely. And he closed him for a hundred grand. And he was like, I need to go figure out how to do this. <laughs> but like he was resourceful enough to know how to find the right people. And as Russell says all the time, people always think about like, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Rather than who can do this? Who can do this? Who can do this? Like, it's not that hard. I'm running a carpet job right now uh, where we do, I was a carpet cleaner for three years. I'm running a carpet installation job right now that I run from my office on the cell phone. Why? Because I have the warehouse. Like I have the people that know what carpet to pick out. I know I have a person who goes and measures. I have a person that's going to haul away and install. They're really good at that. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But is that going to stop me and make me want to go get four years of education to go get a flooring license and go do it the right way? No, it's not. I like, I figure out my role and what I can do. Yeah, that's crazy. And you've obviously been on this amazing journey going from literally, like you said, cleaning carpets to now being featured in Forbes and being this kind of amazing, influential and inspiring entrepreneur. Dude, you're clearly crushing it. So what's one of the next big challenges that you've got coming up in your business? Yeah, it's a good question, man. I, I run into challenges every single day. Like I said, you just get new problems. One of the big challenges right now is how do I craft a message that's for the 1% of the 1%? Obviously, the way I'm talking on this podcast, I'm looking for my guys that are one percenters, like 1% of 1%. Now my way is like, how can I inspire the people or, or reach the people in some way to be able to get the people that don't listen to shows? Because like the people that are listening to this podcast, they're already forward thinkers. It's like, how do we help the people unlock that side of them for the first time? That's one thing I'm going through. The other thing I'm going through is like, how do I efficiently do 10 different businesses, 20 different businesses at one time? And those are like two big things that I definitely am running into and I'm having to learn a lot to be able to do it and build my skill sets. But again, I'm in this game to grow. Like I'm excited to continue growing, continue helping people, continually growing myself. I just feel that if I'm wanting other people to grow at a rapid rate, I need to beat them. And that's what I do every day is I'm like, I need to beat everybody. Yeah, I love that. It's so much about speed as much as it is as, uh, about not perfection, right? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I'm a very like perfection person. Like I need things to be done a certain way. Yet if you look at the majority of good business owners, a lot of times they get more done in a day than most beginning entrepreneurs get done in a year, in one day. And you wonder why they're doing 365 times more value or more revenue than you are. Like, yeah, if you make 
$100,000 a year and someone else making $36 million. The reason why is because they're probably getting done uh, 365 times more in a day than you get done in a year. Like, or, you know, the equal amount. I've just noticed this over and over again. Like, it used to take me a whole day to record three videos. Now it takes me 25 minutes to record those same three videos. Yeah, it's funny how you get more efficient, and uh, and it's and it is good that you talk about leveraging the who as well, and uh, and it's funny you say because I didn't even know that you would do like a side business with carpets. It's not really something that you imagine somebody in your position doing this amazing like fitness and and personal growth brand would be doing. But I mean, if you've got the people there at your disposal to do it, then like why not? That's uh, yeah. I look at it like this, man. With the stuff that I'm doing right now. What are the people and the leads and like the ecosystem that I have? What do they want? And how can I partner with people or build a company that can provide that for them? So if someone were to come to me right now and say, hey, man, like I, sh I, I sell hair ties. It's really amazing. I think your people would love it. I'd be like, man, no one's ever come to me asking for that. Like it's really tough. Now I'm going to have to go build an audience for that. But let's say my Instagram right now, we're growing by about 10,000 people a month right now. And I, my friend's like phenomenal at it. And we do it the right way. And I'm like, man, like people come to me all the time and they're like, Nicholas, how are you doing this? And I'm like, man, talk to my friend. So I'm like, we should do a partnership because I have the people that are asking me about this all the time. Let's do this. And for my dad, he has a carpet cleaning business for 30 years. Never built a carpet installation company on the side of it because he doesn't like doing it. So I saw an opportunity, dude, you're already getting the leads. Like these are people that are going to go buy carpet anyway. Like let's just have them buy it from us and then you clean all the carpet. It's not it's not like rocket science or anything. And I'm not too like, dude, I, I do a bunch of stupid stuff to learn, make money, to perfect things. Like you can't become too married to this like life of wanting to be better than everyone. Like it's just not going to work. Like I lead, I lead from the bottom. Like I really I, resonate I lead, with that. I'm I not the person on the top of the thing. Like I'm, I'm the person that's leading from the mud. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Down there in the trenches. And speaking of down there in the trenches, I really wanted to ask you about what it's like running your business alongside your wife. Yeah, it's a great question. It's the best thing we've ever done. Um, it's similar. If you, like, We have a power couple episode. I have a podcast called the Billion Dollar Body Podcast. And on that, we, every Friday we have a power couple episode. And we did a season of it. Now we brought it back. And on there, you can really like hear in depth what we go through on a weekly, a daily basis and some of the tools that we use to navigate it. Yet when we first got married, we had no choice. We had no income, no jobs. We didn't know what to do. The only way we could be together is if we started a business. So much like if an immigrant family moved to America, they're like, we're broke. We don't know what to do. And we need to go make money. So let's go start a business and let's hustle because we know the opportunity we have now. For us, it was the same thing. Like we're broke, we're married, we don't know what to do. Let's both go all in and do this. And what that's done is allowed us to spend 16 hours a day together, which is what we love. And for everyone, like the definition of power couple to me is two people with two different visions, creating one core vision for the family, for the relationship that they use their skills, talents, and abilities to be able to get to. And it doesn't mean it has to be done in a business partnership. It can be done in a completely different way. But what I recommend is having one common vision and knowing that the things that you guys are doing on a daily basis are getting you one step closer to that. And that's how you create a power couple relationship. Wow, I really like that. And congrats, you just hit 100 episodes on the uh, podcast as well, which is an awesome achievement. And, Did I uh, really? And yeah, yeah. I was just looking at the podcast this morning. Awesome. 
And uh, it's funny you say about Power Couple episodes because we've just uh, we've already done one episode with me and my girlfriend on it, and I just did a second one that we recorded that's going out pretty soon, which is exciting. And I actually really like that dynamic of having me and her on on a podcast show. And I don't know if this is the same with you and Amanda, but I feel like your relationship comes out in this amazing kind of like show on the air, and you can feel like that connection between the two of you. Is it the same with you and Amanda? You obviously haven't done that many of them then. <laughs> it's tough man you'll see right before you get on the episode you're going to be like what do we talk about who you know like what resources are we going to have are we just going to talk about nothing someone said they wanted more structure and then you're like i don't even feel like doing the podcast anymore you know what like do you want to do this are you trying to do this am i trying to do, like what do you want to do and then you'll be like we don't want to do this this is annoying so <laughs> that's one of the fun things like the reason we do the power couple episode is to talk about that like that's extra pressure and that extra pressure can become really annoying and it's a lot easier not to do it yet that's what every couple's going through. So you'll see, hopefully it's fun. Yeah. Like you're, I feel like, I feel like talking about that is the fun part as well. Like exploring it and, and documenting that kind of journey. Cause it's not all roses, right? Yeah. And it's really not that fun to talk about, but you should talk about it anyway. Let me know after you do a few episodes and you do have that happen. If you actually thought it was fun to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be good to, to kind of touch on. And, um, and the last thing I wanted to, to kind of ask you about Nicholas is really from an advice standpoint as well, um, for people who are listening, who really love the idea of speaking and being on stage, because obviously you do a lot of live events, you even have your own live event, um, which has been really successful. I've seen a lot of talks about it online and, and the kind of, I've saw some of the posts that came off the back of it and it looked insane, especially those super nice, uh, uh, ticket holder, card things i saw what's the word for those Heck yeah we have metal lanyards dude who oh. else do you know has laser oh and my god metal. like i nearly dropped my phone in anticipation for like, it was so sexy so i really like that so um the question i wanted to ask was for getting into this mindset of speaking and sharing your message if there are people listening who would you know one day want to be speakers and to do these live events maybe for themselves what would be a really good piece of advice to kind of get going in that direction yeah, repetition is really big. So practice on video, do whatever you can to be able to talk and speak. And the second thing would be to really study people that are actually good. You know, no, no golf instructor. Uh, think about it this way. If you want to have people that study $100 bills, you know, people that study like the fraudulent bills that can see a fraudulent bill, like just like this, right? Like that the people that can figure out like what people duplicate money, the way that they train those people isn't from having them look at phony money. They only study real money because they can spot a phony when they see it. And so the same thing with speaking, I feel like you want to figure out who's doing the type of speaking that you want. Inspirational speaking, speaking to sell, NLP, like whatever you want to get great at, find the people that are actually doing that well and learn from those people. Don't just go learn from every speaker and try to pick up like everything that they're doing because they might be doing something really terribly wrong. It's just working. And so I really invested in the best people. I put in the reps when it came to video. It took me three or a whole day to do three five-minute videos back in the day. I couldn't speak at all. And putting the repetition in. And also, like, is that the avenue that you want to go? But like you said, if this is the place, like if you want to speak, if you want to speak for yourself and speak for others, what you're going to want to do then is I believe it's the best way to create that mass movement like you were talking about. I believe it's the best way to get the most bang for your buck to serve your people that have the highest conversions is live settings, live one-on-one -on -one and live to many. And so I would start hosting meetups and start talking about the mission and vision of your company, telling your story a little bit, doing some teaching. 
maybe if you're not there yet and you're like not the biggest dude like you know in in that industry then bring in some of your friends that are and start doing some panels and have them speak and if you bring in great people people automatically think that you're on their level and so host meetups for the first year in business in 2012 to 2013 i did two events a week two events wow. a week per That's week a lot. at my house every every week meetup twice a week like every single time and half the time no one would show up and i felt terrible about myself i felt like i was doing something wrong i fe- felt like i never chose my calling right everyone's making fun of me you know when three people would show up it'd be even worse when one person would show up i'd be like hey we're here to hang out like it was tough and ultimately it made me quit after a while and after a year i quit and didn't do them for 3 years and felt really down on myself but now looking back like if i could jump into that body i wouldn't have cared about those results because i would have known where i was going so many people like they don't have a vision so because of that they try and they suck and so they're like this must not be for me if i would have kept doing that i would have made a million dollars 3 4 years earlier but i didn't because i kept starting and stopping and so those are the things I would do for sure. And then obviously like speak for free. Don't have this big ego, like go out there and become good and then like demand things, but don't just demand things because everyone tells you you need to charge a lot and like all these different things, figure out what you want out of it. If you want to grow in your skill of speaking and get your name out there, well then go serve, go sponsor the event, go pay to speak, do whatever you want, host your own event. Then just go do it the right way. Get really good. And from there, like you'll become valuable and you'll get opportunities. But again, if you could jump five years in the future, if everything goes right, what will your life be like? Start looking from that position to now rather than looking from now at today and be like, man, I can't pay to speak. Like I need to make money because I don't make enough money. Like, dude, I just told you that I held events twice a week for a year and then quit. And now if I look back at that person, I'm like, dude, why didn't you keep going? Why? Because I was finding my worth personally out of my results that I was creating from those events. But if I were to go back in time right now, no one showed up, I wouldn't care. I would just go focus on the problem and fix it and get people to show up because I know that I'm valuable. I know that the content I have is valuable and it's really going to help people. So I'm not going to get my worth out of the result that I'm creating. I'm going to put in the effort just like I wouldn't go swing a golf club, not hit a ball and think, man, I'm just not good at this. I must not be a good person. Uh, I'm finding my worth out of how I swing a golf club right now. Like I wouldn't do that. So stop doing it with your work. Wow, that's that's really powerful. And and th- I love that repetition um, advice you gave. And, and it's so right, right? Like put yourself out there and it'll make a big difference. It is right. You're correct. That is the right answer. <laughs> like it's, I love it. You have to put in reps. Like, dude, when I played golf, I played golf for an entire year straight. I played with pros four days a week and I sucked at first, but I got around people that were really amazing and I would hit 240 golf balls every single day, seven days a week. Like yeah. that's how you get good. It's just, you can't expect to be good. at like, you can't expect to get good at something without doing anything. I just interviewed Alex Ramosi, did $50 million in, in 20 months. And he just said, most people are just mediocre. And that's why they don't make money, but they can go get good at something. It's just, they just don't do the things to get good. And I just thought, man, you're so right. Like it's so much easier to sell something when you're good at something. But the great thing is there's many people out there that are already good. So if you can bring them in to teach, just like I do, 
I bring in the best people to teach my guys. Why? Because I can't be the best marketer, best salesperson, one-on-one sales in person, on stage, off stage, webinar, ebook, high ticket, houses, investing, expert at 27 years old. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I am. So take that pressure off yourself of having to be perfect. If you want to be a speaker, great. Put an event together where there's great speakers there and then work yourself into it. Like, People will come for the other people that are good. And until you get good, like you can work up to that point. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And, and Nicholas, this has been so valuable and you've dropped some value bombs in this episode and I'm super appreciative of your time and I'm sure the audience is as well. Now, listen, if somebody wants to find out more information about what else you're up to, um, where can they go? Yeah, so Instagram.com slash Nicholas Barely is amazing. Connect me on Instagram. The second thing is we have an event in June. Uh, it, it may be sold out by the time people are listening, but if it's not sold out and you go to bdblive.com, I'd love for you to join us there. We get a metal freaking lanyard. Like that's worth it, right? And protein bars too. It's so funny what people buy for, but uh, really it's, it's all about how do we create a three-dimensional businessman, health, wealth, and relationships? How do we equip them with the network and brotherhood that it's kind of like you have an army behind you in every single thing that you do? I kind of look at it like if you go into a bar fight and there's some big dude that's going to beat you up, and you had like 40 or 100 men behind you that were willing to fight for you, that person that's trying to fight you in that bar is your problems in life. And a lot of times you can't overcome them on your own, just as a lion can't hunt outside of a pride. And so if you don't have that pride around you, go and get it at an event like BDB Live. Yeah, I love that, Nicholas. And I'm so appreciative of the episode. You gave us so many awesome points. I'm actually probably going to listen back through to the episode myself and pause and rewind and make a ton of notes of everything that you've said. So thanks so much for being on the show, brother. And uh, once again, guys, if you want to go and find out all of that information and get connected, uh, where can they go again, Nicholas? Nicholas Bailey on Instagram and bdblive.com. Love it. Thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, maybe we'll get you on a future episode. Sweet man. Thanks again. Hey everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.